It's that time, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to yet another episode of an Evolved Review. I am your host, James Caleb Kitchens, and as always, oh wait, I'm actually not joined by Caleb Showball today. <laughs> I'm actually joined by none other than straight from the Tapped Out Wrestling Podcast, Myron. Welcome. Man. Yes, your buddy Myron, my buddy Myron, everybody's buddy Myron is glad to be here. Um, great episode to talk about today. I am excited to do this, and I am very thankful you asked me to participate. Yeah, man, absolutely. I, I'm glad to have you back on the show. Um, a- after this one, though, I'm gonna have to actually have you on for something that uh, that doesn't involve like death or, or murder. Yes, or anything. mental illness, substance abuse. Yeah, uh, yes. we we've we've developed uh, over time. We've developed a a, a two and one rule. So uh, two episodes of Dark Side of the Ring, and then <laughs> then we have you on for something happy. Uh, <laughs> I, I just recently had my buddy Ace from uh, Superhero Homies on, uh, and uh, he he covered the the Chris Benoit episodes with us and the Brian Pillman episodes. Oh, and and so then uh, so I was like, okay, so he came on and covered a uh, the Samoa Joe Kurt Angle interview. Um, we did a review of that. Go check it out. Um, and uh, so yeah, so next time you come on, we'll have to have it excellent, be, excellent. be something where well, yeah, but these you know. these have a lot of substance, and I enjoy that kind of stuff. I think mental mental illness is uh, probably one of the biggest detriments to society right now because people don't take it seriously enough, or people don't understand it. And uh, if we can do something on here that helps that, I think it'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's I think that's a good message for a lot of these Dark Side of the Ring episodes. Um, you know, especially like the way that it's viewed in pro wrestling, because I feel like the world is behind on that topic. And then it seems like for whatever reason, the wrestling world is always like another decade behind. Yes. Uh, you know, for, for various reasons, but before we dig into it, man, um, you know, I want to give you a second to, to plug the, the tapped out wrestling podcast. I'm a patron. I listen to it all the time. Uh, you know, let everybody who's uh, tuning in right now know, uh, what you guys are about and where they can find you. I am one half of the Tapped Out Wrestling Podcast. Uh, you can find us everywhere as Tapped Out Pod. Tapped Out Pod is uh, the the what Nick has chosen to have us everywhere to be easily found, which is brilliant in my opinion. Every podcast, Facebook, everywhere you would ever look for content, we're there. TappedOutPod.com is our website. Uh, we do a basically a commentary and question and answer style podcast based on what's going on in wrestling past and present. And also uh, we like to cover local wrestling to help out, keep the scene because if anybody deserves credit, it's the guys out there on the daily basis, making the drives and entertaining us. So uh, if you want to watch us, I, I would look forward to having you join us. If you want to submit questions, anything like that, please do also at tappedoutpod.com. Uh, and we uh, have a weekly episode uh, every week that's on Facebook and other all other platforms. And, and you know, one of the things that I really like about you guys is is that you cover the national scene, which I know brings a lot of eyes to it. Yes. But then you guys also every week you're covering the Georgia indie scene, and you're bringing that wider audience to to get a spotlight on Georgia. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, as a member of that scene, I always want to thank you guys for that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's great. It's great to be a part of the Georgia wrestling scene. Um, everybody is in some form of giant family, whether they want to be in it or not right. in wrestling, you know, sometimes people want to fight about it and not join, but they all, the more we all work together, the better it is for everyone concerned. Yeah. I feel right at home, man. It's yeah. about like my family at Thanksgiving. Yes. So, 
you know. Yes, and that's a lot of like the family we're talking about today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true, man. I don't know. Uh, between the three, I, I, I don't know which one I'd pick, but the first one I'd have to eliminate would probably be this one. So that's right. Yes. We're talking about uh, the Vachon family, specifically Luna Vachon, and kind of her journey uh, through the wrestling world and, and, and everything that, uh, that kind of transpired along with that. Um, so we did a season three predictions episode last year. Uh, Luna didn't make it. As a matter of fact, I've, I've had to kind of, uh, eat crow on a few of these because, uh, there's a few of them that, that Caleb had on his list that I didn't have on mine. And I said, they'll never do those. And then, uh, XPW got covered and, uh, and FMW got covered and I had a few on my list that didn't make it. So, yeah. uh, but neither one of us actually guessed Luna. Um, kind of, I guess because she was, I guess, really before our time. Uh, Luna is one of those people where you you don't really understand it as a fan unless you watch something like this. I did not know this stuff. I saw her as a performer, and I knew she passed away, but I didn't know all the details, and that was a whole new awakening for me. As someone who got to see her with Bam Bam Bigelow and got to see her just absolutely during the Attitude Era, just being the anti-diva type. Yeah, I I remember that. That's that's kind of what I remember of her. Um, and then I, you know, I was always a WCW guy growing up. And when she came out with Sean at WrestleMania Caesar's Palace, I was six years old. It, it was actually <laughs> it was on my birthday on April fourth. Oh, uh, I, w- I would have been turning six. So I would have been concerned about birthday cake and not WrestleMania. Um, but I did go back and watch that years later. And I was like, who is this person? And I, and I did look her up and kind of do a little research on her then. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't anything in depth like this. And I don't know that a lot of this stuff uh, really could have even been found online if you'd have gone looking for it. They probably had to um, to get really into the, the weeds on some of this to get some of the this information. Yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, I uh, at last night read the Wikipedia page on uh, Luna, and you could see that a lot of it was filled in from the Dark Side of the Ring episode. Right. Yeah. yeah there was I, a lot of information. Probably a lot of topics like that. Yeah. Really, where Dark Side of the Ring filled out most of their Wikipedia page. Uh-huh. Um, let's talk about her family a little bit. Um, we have Mick Foley here. Um, and, and you know he doesn't really, in my opinion, contribute a ton of additional information to this episode but the thing about mick is anytime you have him on dark side of the ring it always brings that uh you know his credit and kind of his notoriety to the episode because mm-hmm. mick foley is somebody that you know i think a lot of fans you know trust his opinion yeah and 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 people just generally like mick yeah i think mick foley is also very important to add to a show that's this dark because yeah. foley is one of the probably one of the best human beings to ever live in my opinion. And when you put him in a situation like this where it's dark, he can add that little bit of sunshine. He can add that, that eulogy he wrote at the end and kind of explain things better. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Hmm. Um, so let's talk a bit. He, he introduces uh, her family a little bit. Uh, so he talks about her dad, uh, butcher Vashon, uh-huh. um, her uncle, who I, I would say other than her is probably the most well-known yes. of the Vashons and, and, mm-hmm. and maybe even more than her in certain circles, which was a uh, mm-hmm. mad dog. Vashon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, um, her aunt who I actually was not familiar with Vivian. No. Um, I was not familiar with her at all before this episode. Well, uh, there's a lot of wrestling that we miss out on that right. at the time was a, 
it was a territory type thing. And depending on where you lived in the country, you may not have got the territory. I didn't get anything besides WWE and Continental. So there's stuff, unless Vashon, the Vashons were coming through Alabama at the time, I did not see them on TV. So I missed out. These are things I've had to fill in later. Uh, right. But apparently they were the heels. Yeah, I mean, they talk about it a lot. It's just you know, that her uncles were incredibly hated. And you have to remember they're from that old school era where, you know, even if there had been social media, these guys wouldn't have been thanking their opponents for the match <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. You know, these guys were hated. Everybody, you know, couldn't stand them. Um, you know, and, and so with uh, with Luna uh, or uh, Gertrude, as her name is, I don't I don't, you know, I think it should be considered abuse just to name your child Gertrude, but yeah, that's not a good one. Yeah. Um, even, you know, they talk about, she didn't even like the shortened, you know, Trudy, she Mm -hmm. hated both of those. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, people, you know, picked on her because of her name and then they found out that that's who her, uh, you know, her dad and her uncle were, and they hated her even more. Yeah. And it's kind of a reverse kind of situation from today it's like today if you have a relative who's like a famous pro wrestler it doesn't matter if they're a heel or a face or whatever um most people are going to think that's cool but back then i mean the level of heat was astronomical because people yeah yes and uh i can relate exactly to where they were uh later in the show when we get to talking about kevin sullivan because oh yeah terrified me as a child yeah, we're, we definitely are going to get there and talk about a couple things about Kevin Sullivan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, one of the first people that we're introduced to on this is uh, is Gangrel, uh, which I, I was actually glad to see him here on this episode. Uh, it, he's one of those people where he's got a lot of stories to tell, and he tells them in a way where you're entertained and you want to hear him talk mm-hmm. more about mm-hmm. it. Um it seems like they had sort of a, a romantic relationship is, is what I kind of got from it, uh, that it started out as just a friendship and yeah. then it became something else. Yeah. It was a, it was a troubled, uh, a troubled relationship. Uh, there was a lot of substance abuse and it was two people who were in the same place. And if he, any, he had to get out of that place in order to survive the relationship. Uh, I don't know how he came out looking in this episode at times he was favorable at other times. I didn't think he was that favorable at all. It kind of made me uncomfortable. He really like his, his, uh, his parts were very uncomfortable. Uh, Yeah. There were some uncomfortable parts in here. I I don't think he went the distance and like Tommy dreamered himself at any point. No. Um, You know, uh, I, I don't want to go into that because we've talked about it on this program like 40 mm-hmm. times now. Uh, but, you know, there were a few times where, I, I don't know, it, it came across to me like maybe he just knew Luna really well and they had a, a similar, you know, sense of humor. Mm-hmm. But to the viewer, it, it, it kind of, it comes across as like he's making light of an incredibly serious, you know, yeah. scenario. Yeah. Uh, this is one of those situations. There was uh, no one who could cast the first stone really because nobody was without sin in this um there were a lot of a uh, lot of people who touched luna's life and i don't know if anyone touched her life in a, in a good way 100 percent. there was always a taint of some kind like introduced to her whenever she was dealing with someone uh, if there's anybody it's probably medusa who we will talk about later yes i thought mm-hmm. that she was absolutely the star of this episode yeah uh, medusa was terrific case. yeah it was terrific um, I would like to hear more from her, but 
Um, so let's talk about Moolah for a second because Moolah had her own Dark Side of the Ring episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, Luna is kind of one of her victims. They talk about, uh, it, honestly, this episode cast Moolah in a worse light, I think, than even her own episode did because you have people on here that have no reason to to lie about this. Um, talking about that she would, you know, she sent Luna out to meet this guy that tried to rape her. Uh, there were, uh, you know, people that said that, you know, she would go up to one of the girls and say, you're sleeping with me tonight. Yeah. I mean, just all manner of, you know, just completely unacceptable behavior from yeah. Luna. And intimidation, too. Gang Girl said, you know, these are some, some of the toughest women maybe in yeah. the country at the time. And they, he said when she walked in the room, they, yeah. you know, they were like a little scared puppy. All of them. Yeah, definitely. Now, um, I know Mad Max had a personal issue of some kind to grind with Luna, some kind of act. Not Luna, uh, Moolah. Um, I have, uh, remember a couple of years ago when the WWE did the Moolah Battle Royal that they were going to have for the women at WrestleMania, then Snickers forced them to cancel it. Uh, I have been close friends with Nigel Sherrod for, for a few years in the wrestling business, and uh, he knew Moolah, and he knew Mae Young, and he started some of the um, the fundraisers and the uh, awareness programs to raise awareness about Moolah because he believed in a t- totally different person. And from what I have read, and what I've talked to him and some others about, there was a very different moolah. Well, actually, that's not 100% truth. There was a different moolah. Now, the bullying and the taking the money and all that, you know, she took huge portions of their bookings and she controlled women's wrestling. Uh, the sexuality stuff, I, I, I can't speak to. But again, then again, most of these people are dead. Right. And they can't defend themselves in this situation. And I'm not taking Moolah's side. I'm just saying there are people that were on this episode with personal access to grind against Moolah. But Right. And and I hate to take it back to the to the Tommy Dreamer thing again, but it's like yeah. the, the, the at the end of the day, we weren't there. Yes. You know. So it's it's in the same way that he can't say what may or may not have happened between Flair and that and mm-hmm. that uh flight uh flight attendant. Yeah. We were not there. Right. So and we also we, we really do, can't we can't acknowledge it in a laughing way or blow it off. These are serious allegations. Right. They are. And, and, you know, uh, I think as this episode shows, Mm. you know, it's like you said, um, everybody that Luna came across, whether it was her family, Mm. uh, it was, uh, whether it was Moolah, whether it was, you know, people that she encountered later down the road, whether it was Vince McMahon, it seemed like everyone that she had Mm -hmm. personal or business relationships with, took advantage of her in some way definitely definitely sometimes in multiple ways yeah what did you think about gangrel uh in this episode like uh, he talked you know a little bit about uh uh you know her being abused by her family and the the way he talked about it though it was kind of like he didn't know whether he should be sharing that stuff or not because as we learn from Medusa later on, it's like she was very, you know, protective of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, Maxine also talked about that as well, that she yeah. didn't want people to know that she had been taken advantage of like that. Well, that fam- whole family situation had to have been bizarre. Uh, wrestling at the time was, and wrestling still, 
is a refuge for different people. They fall in with people and they realize there are other people in wrestling that are different or wrestling that are, that are artistic or whatever they find in wrestling. It's almost like a refuge for freaks and, and people. I mean, I hate to say that, but at the time they were taken advantage of a lot of people got taken advantage of in the wrestling business. We've heard the horror stories. Hopefully that's something that doesn't exist anymore, you know, but they I wish sell. that were the case. Yeah, I, I, I do. We see it. We hear about things. Uh, but they, she fell in with bad people. Um, re- male wrestlers around the house is what they said. Maybe her aunt's what they said. I can't, I can't comment on this stuff, but it was everything that, that, that they mentioned was very traumatic and very disturbing. Uh, yeah. And, and I mean, it, it's hard to imagine that a lot of her mental issues were not derived from exactly, you know, this kind of, you know, abuse at, you know, at home. And then when well, she they got into help. wrestling training. Yeah. Best, definitely thing, not. best thing ever. They didn't help. This girl was, she was born this way. She uh, apparently had gone to Emory while she was in Atlanta as a small child for some studies of her mental health. Um, and then she was put into a situation that basically was never safe for her in some right. manner. She was never given to, to the ability to not be in stress or trauma her entire life. And it's what we, she turned out like. Yeah. Now, they actually had her dad on here for, for a br- very brief uh, bit. I, I, I don't know if maybe they were interviewing him thinking they were going to kind of get more out of him or, you know, they got him there and he, you know, he seemed like he could barely speak. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I, I guess maybe they interviewed him and then they were like, well, we, 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 we brought him here. We got to, we, we got the well footage. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't do any good. I mean, he didn't do any good for the story as far as positivity, in my opinion. And, uh, well, I thought it was odd because you have these people making all these allegations about her family home life. Mm. And then it's like, he's like, Hey, I'm Luna's dad. You know, he, he tells, does tell the story about adopting her. And so mm. I, I thought that that's what he contributed to the episode. Yeah. Yeah. That was the, the basically the backstory and that's really all he got. He did not come off as a sympathetic person. He did not come off as a, the kind of person you would trust or believe in what they were saying, in my opinion. Agreed. Uh, that might be the old wrestling type people. So, well, he, he was a, he was a heel, you know, he, mm. for, for, you know, his yeah. entire career. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, that's just who you are underneath. And then sometimes, mm. you know, yeah. you kind of become that after, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, the, you and the mask become the same person eventually. I understand that. Um, mm. But, you know, with, with him, I, I liked his story about, um, you know, him adopting her because it really played into this kind of idea that she's always been this outsider her whole life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also that her, you know, her life was full of tragedy from four years old, mm-hmm. you know. And even uh, after he got divorced from her mother and still maintained custody of her. Right. Uh, which so. is, which is admirable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and also too, her her you know birth father committed suicide so yeah it sounds like there is probably a history of mental mm-hmm. health issues in the family mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely uh no one really let this child grow up and uh she was always put in a position where she was fighting 
She never got a good start. And it's sad to see the way things turned out, but I don't think she was ever given a fair chance. And right. uh, that, that was sad. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, and, and that apply, and that really honestly applies in, in wrestling and, you know, just in mm. her personal life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I want to talk about Mad Max here and then uh, we'll kind of go forward into the Kevin Sullivan era of mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had um, uh, Janine uh, uh, Mihoset. I think that's how you say the last name. Anyway, Mad Maxine. Mm-hmm. Um, she talked about how, you know, Mula took advantage of Luna and Luna's family mm-hmm. originally tried to talk her out of the wrestling business because they knew yes. how difficult that it was. She tells the story about Mula sending her out to the photographer yes. who had tried to attack her. Yeah. Um, and I mean, driving across the country, you know, with the goal of getting paid $500, this is probably in what the late eighties. I mean, $500 yeah. is a lot more money than it is. Today. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, um, what, what did you think about her commentary here? I know you said that you, th- that, you know, she did kind of have an ax to grind with. Movies. Yeah. Uh, well, you needed these people. Okay. You needed these contemporaries. Uh, she toured with uh bad max on a four girl wrestling troupe. Uh, and Mula, since Mula had all the booking for all the women wrestlers in the country, this is where they got their women wrestlers at. And I don't know. It was good to see the, the context having Mad Max in there, uh, Penelope paradise. I don't really, I wouldn't, didn't really care for her from what I got out of her, but Mad Max was, a was, was the one that was trying to give a bit of like substance to what was going on in the wrestling world at the time. I don't know if she had too much of a personal vendetta to give it, you know, without a lot of color on it, but she was interesting character. Yeah. Agreed. Um, her son is in the episode too. Mm. Um, Van heard that was difficult. It, that it was, was extremely difficult. It was difficult. And you know, I recognized him for a minute and, and I was like, I know this guy mm-hmm. from somewhere. Uh, he was on uh, multiple seasons of hell's kitchen. Yes. So, mm-hmm. and he looks like a chef. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, mm-hmm. it, that's what kind of led me to it. But I, I was glad that we got his commentary here. It almost, it really seems like she was barely involved in his life. It's like, yeah. you know, yeah. he mentions that she would never even go to meet her granddaughter. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that was a situation uh, where it, I don't know if it was a mental illness or being ashamed of what, you know, she'd never put in there. And one of the things that her heartbreak was she gave everything including her family to get one thing and she never accomplished it. Now in retrospect, after her passing, she has made a huge contribution to women's wrestling, but she never lived to see it. Right. She never got to acknowledge it. And it's, she did sacrifice her family, uh, which is probably different because male wrestlers were doing the exact same thing. It was different because she was a female wrestler and people weren't expecting, you know, would expect women in that time to do something like that. Yeah, I I agree entirely. Um, And, and, you know, that's kind of a recurring theme here is that she was never allowed to do the things that the boys were doing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it was always a different standard back then. And I mean, it is to an extent, even now, um, unfortunately, but uh, you know, Mm -hmm. things are getting better. Um, 
so let's talk about the Kevin Sullivan era for a bit, because this is where we really see Luna come yes. to life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, so t- tell us a little bit about Kevin Sullivan in this era. Kevin Sullivan, you either believed he was the devil, he worshipped the devil, he could bring the devil to come see you, he could invoke the devil in a wrestling match, and growing up in Alabama in the 1980s and during the satanic panic, which I barely survived because I occasionally played a game of Dungeons and Dragons or something like that, <laughs> or listened to rock and roll music sometimes. Um, Kevin Sullivan scared the living hell out of you. Kevin Sullivan was the closest thing to evil you'd probably ever seen. And he was convincing. He was so convincing. And when he brought her in, and he converted her from that innocent reporter into to Luna, that's when you saw her character develop right there. And she was formed around these, these people who were scary. She learned how to be scary from a, from a, the start. She was uh, uh, working in women's wrestling. She was with woman who was one of the greatest valets, greatest female wrestling people ever. Um, I had, I met someone a couple of years ago at WrestleCade that was talking about being around that time period and knowing all those people. And she said the only one that was ever nasty to her was Purple Haze. Right. As a fan, and she had str- he had struck her. So she was not around the choicest people on earth. Okay. Right. And it was a crazy time where, f- especially in Florida, where the drugs were flowing freely. So here's someone who's always had mental illness, and now they've got a, a, a just an absolute endless supply of street drugs that will make them feel a little better. Yep. The the quote in the episode is it snows in Miami yes. every day. Yes. Yes. And that's that, that time period had to have been crazy. Yeah. Had I mean, crazy. You really can't blame her too. I think for really attaching herself to these folks, because this was the first place where she is able to, explore and develop a character Mm -hmm. and is really excelling at what she's doing both not only in the ring but also as a character and you talked about how kevin sullivan had this you know cult leader like persona Mm -hmm. and there had to have been a certain magnetism to that even you know that was not a work no no um i met him a couple years at wrestlecade briefly and i was like "Uh, you scared the hell out of me as a child sir that's all i can say to him because I got to ask you man. next, what do you, uh, do, do you think that, um, they don't, you know, they didn't say, but do you think he was contacted for this episode? And if so, do you, why do you think he chose not to appear? Was he in the Benoit episode? He was not. Uh, he was mentioned in it heavily. And I think well, the- in the Benoit episode, and this is kind of what I wanted to get to. I think they do mention in that one that they contacted him for comment and he did not. It's probably best for him. He stayed out of it. I'll be honest with you. He's, he's, he has been, he was a recluse for a little bit out there, uh, in Seattle somewhere on an Island. He's coming out now to do more appearances and things, but, and work with more wrestling stuff, but there's no way for him to look good. Whether it's this episode or Benoit, there's no way for him to look good in it. Right. I I agree. And, you know, there was a large contingent of fans and there probably is still a small contingent because when the Benoit episodes came out, it's like, 
there were a lot of people that were huge fans of his that just cognitive dissonance for whatever reason yeah. did not want to believe it. And I and I was in that category yeah. of like, there's just no way the man did this. After you watch the Dark Side of the Ring episodes, yeah. it's like if you still think that he didn't do it, then you, you know you're on another planet somewhere. Whoa, hold you know? on, hold on, hold on. Where are we getting into with this? What's that? You think Kevin Sullivan killed him? No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> No, 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 there's a there's people that didn't don't think that Benoit committed the murders. Oh but, yeah. But there were a, there was a large contingent of people that thought Kevin Sullivan was involved in the situation before Dark Side of the Ring. Well, even out. even with the Dark Side of the Ring, I will tell you something. It's easy to believe Kevin Sullivan could have done it because me seeing Kevin Kevin Sullivan when he was being evil, that would be the kind of person that would murder these people. Right, I could believe. I know, I know it's not true, but if you told me he did that, I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, makes sense. Right, and I think that that played into it. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's always that sort of people want to take the on-screen persona and mm-hmm. a- attach it to who that person really is, and, and sometimes they are close, yeah. but sometimes you know they couldn't be more different. Yeah, and I, you know, and I don't know Kevin Sullivan personally, so I can't really comment on that with him, but I, I do think that. That that the Benoit episodes probably at least enlightened him that maybe I shouldn't be on this either, um, because no. I, I don't think he would have looked nearly as bad here. I think you know uh, he may have actually had a positive influence on her career, but once again, it's like now you kind of have to be careful if you go on Dark Side of the Ring. Like if you go on Dark Side of the no, Ring, there's no yeah. Oh God, no. You you have to be squeaky clean. Yes, yes. There's no way. There's no way as a wrestler that might have something to hide. You should go on the show, and that's that's sad because you know I love the show, but they get it out. They pull this stuff out, right? And they're not done. There's still a lot of stuff in wrestling they can cover. Oh, and they will, and I think we'll we'll continue to get these expanded seasons. But I, I do think after this season, after the plane ride from hell episode, I think they will have harder and harder times getting a hold of people to come on and talk. Uh, I think they'll still manage to do it. Uh, but, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I've talked about a few times that as a result of that episode, you know, Ric Flair is not under contract with WWE anymore. Um, but, and you know, so I, I thought, you know, after that, after he was no longer under contract, that maybe we would get him on some of these Dark Side of the Ring episodes because he has a million stories. Mm-hmm. But as a result of that episode, I don't think I no, don't think that's no. going to happen. No. Well, Rick is crazy, and right. Rick actually lives around close near to me. Uh, apparently, sits in a frontier and drinks over there on Sugarloaf Parkway a good bit. <laughs> but uh, that's just what I've been told. Uh, it's a. It's a. We didn't know this stuff. Okay, we know a lot of stuff now with social media and everything else. We didn't know this stuff was going on. Right. We saw it on television or at best. We got a pro wrestling illustrated and read a story about it that was made up. Right. Okay. most of the stuff that that, that Bill after was publishing was was fiction about a fictionalized business. Right. So we didn't know this stuff. We didn't know who was hurting other people, who was doing drugs. And now it's all coming out. Now, nowadays, you can get, you just find out the moment they see somebody with a pipe in their hands, it's on television. That's all over Facebook. But these days, 
I don't know, man. It's almost like it's not. Well, it's just that double-edged sword, you know? Do you want to know about this stuff automatically or just want to pretend and watch the kayfabe? And if you watch that Kevin Sullivan promo where they shave Luna's head, that was real. That was very visceral. That You could feel Kevin Sullivan's voice coming through on that. And you don't get that today because you know everything. Right. Kayfabe yeah. yeah, I mean, um, you know, you look at MJF and, and he's one of the few examples. Yes where you won't see him out there, you know, breaking kayfabe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that's, like I said, that's one of the very few examples. Yeah. Uh, the majority of people, you know, there's always somewhere, you know, to see them doing something, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and where, where they're not going to be in character. And so yeah. that's just kind of, that's kind of the reality of the day, but also, we can expose the people that are, you yes. know, that are predators in wrestling. Yes. And get yes. them out a lot faster, um, yes. you know, before it turns into these sorts of situations. Definitely. Definitely. So hopefully it's for the best. Um, and we were talking earlier, uh, Kylie Ray, who uh, has mental health issues and comes in and out. Apparently she was getting into a bad place and was using alcohol and marijuana to, to medicate. And now she's back out of wrestling again. Well, had Kylie Ray been out there and got in with some of these people, would have been cocaine and Placidil. Right. You know? I mean, yeah. I mean, she would, you know, Dark Side of the Ring season 13. You she know? was, she's freer to, to say, I'm having an issue. I need to step away. Um, I don't think she's receiving adequate treatment or maybe she could, but the thing is she's able to see this and not get caught up in groups of people with cocaine and all the stuff Gangrel, eight balls that Grand Gare was talking about. Uh, maybe it's for the best. I would hope that people are more apt to go get mental health care after watching something like this. Right. And today, you know, um, you know, uh, there's been a lot of people, including myself, that have, you know, kind of uh, talked smack about, uh, you know, Adam Page, you know, kind of taking off what two months in the middle of his world title run mm-hmm. or, or not run, but chase, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to go be a father that would have yeah. never happened in the late eighties. No, they would have said, you're going to be a TV or you're gone. Yes. You know? And yeah. uh, so, you know, it is good to see that in, uh, in wrestling today where people aren't in that mentality of if I'm not on television every single week, my spot's gone. I have to stay relevant, you know, yeah. at any cost to my body, my family, yeah, et cetera. So I, I am glad that we're, the wrestling world is growing in that way. Um, so a lot of the stuff about Kevin Sullivan, her time in Florida, we see this through uh, the eyes of Kim Sachs, AKA Penelope Paradise. Uh-huh. Um, what did you think about her kind of commentary here on Luna's life? It was strange because the part where she said what Luna would want for her funeral. And then her son was like, no, that's not at all. Did, did those people know different Lunas? Well, and there were different Lunas. There were several different Lunas apparently. Which is sad. Uh, I didn't, she didn't come off as a, I don't know. You've dealt with older wrestling people. Sometimes it's hard not to, for them not to come off greasy or as con men. Uh, I wasn't, she didn't appeal to me as a human being in my, just off the top of my head. Uh, I don't know what I, I, I assure you a lot of what she said was true, 
but it may have been you know was she not doing the drugs too was she right. not part of some of that behavior yeah she talks about her taking a hundred pills a day that's kurt angle numbers that is absolute madness mm -hmm. to me mm -hmm. uh as like you know i like just me personally like it, you know if i get surgery or something and they prescribe painkillers to me i want to be off of them as soon as possible i hate yes the way that they you know one makes me feel yes uh so yeah i can't i just can't even imagine somebody taking a hundred pills a day and and still being a being in a condition to wrestle you know as a pharmacist for 23 years i have seen some shit i bet you have uh, i could only imagine uh there's some some hippo wrestling stories in there too but hippo right <laughs> i protect it like kayfabe but um it was unbelievable but when you consider someone with untreated schizophrenia and bipolar disorder who's probably wide ass open and bringing in enough cocaine to just keep running the the pills will bounce off some of that stuff you know and if anybody's listening or watching and would like to hear more about pro wrestlers abusing drugs, tune in next week to our episode about the steroid trial. Yes. I haven't watched that episode yet. I'm looking forward to that, definitely. It's probably, it might be my favorite episode. It's definitely oh. my favorite episode in the second half of season mm -hmm. three. Um, I don't know about the whole season, but uh, I really, really loved uh, that episode. So uh, Caleb and I are going to cover that. Uh, maybe later on this week because I know we're mm. we got a ton of episodes lined up and I know we're definitely trying to wrap Dark Side of the Ring up since the season's over now. Yeah. So, so stay tuned for that one, folks. Um, I want to get to the star here. I want to talk about Medusa. I've mm -hmm. not seen her since um, I think since like uh, she was hanging out in the asylum with Ric Flair on Nitro <laughs> uh, when they had him committed. Uh, I think that's the last time I saw her. Um, uh, Deborah and, uh, Michelle, if I'm, mm -hmm. I may be producing, uh, mm -hmm. pronouncing that wrong, but, um, yeah, uh, as we know her Medusa, I thought she was incredible in this episode. Yes. Yeah. Very well-spoken. An advocate, someone who you felt you could trust, someone who seemed upright, everything. I've, I've never heard bad stuff about Medusa. I uh, listened to Tony Schiavone and some of the other people. Everyone's always, uh, even Cornette, good things about her. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, and you could see why. I mean, she was very professional. Mm -hmm. um, she came across a lot like I think Stephanie McMahon wants to come across yeah. a lot of times. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, she's uh, she talked a lot about the industry back then, and I thought mm -hmm. she was an incredible insight into that. Because yes. she's, she's obviously a very talented person, mm -hmm. and she talks about how – you know, the, the women weren't on the flyers. They weren't really given storylines, if any. And if, if they were given some, they were, you know, usually, uh, you know, they were stupid. Something like yeah. what you would see on WWE right now. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, she talked about how uh, they weren't on the marquee. Like I said, in the indies, mm -hmm. we call it also appearing. Yeah. You know, that's the indie terminology. You never want to be in also appearing. Um I really liked what she had to say here. She tells a story about how when she was the WWE champion, she well, mm -hmm. WWF at the time, 
uh, she was going to wrestle Luna, and she wanted her to, she wanted her to pin her and win the title completely off script. Yeah, which I thought was incredible because clearly she deserved it and was being completely mm-hmm. overlooked by the WWF. Mm-hmm. But Luna was a company. I mean, with all the bad part, all the bad things that happened, she was not going to go against Kayfabe. She was not going to go against the company on that situation. Uh, That's an hard... incredible dedication to the business. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think that exists anymore. And that might be a good thing. I, I think it's, I think it is to an extent. Um, I, I, you obviously don't want to see people putting themselves in harm's way, mm. uh, for the business. Uh, but you also, you know, on the, on the other hand, you don't want to see them, uh, you know, going into business for themselves either. So yeah. it, there's, there's a fine line of professionalism there. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when does, professionalism cross over into being subservience or when does it cross yeah. over into being, you know, you're just looking out for yourself at the expense of the well, show. Well, that's, that's one thing I've always thought Brock Lesnar was so intriguing about. He always seems like he could go off at any minute and do yeah. go off script or go into business for himself. And that makes him more intriguing. You want to pay more attention. Somebody could do that. But in the real world, you don't want that happening at all. Right. I mean, yeah, that was, it was the same way with the undertaker. Mm-hmm. In, his, in his prime, it, you know, especially when he was doing the whole American badass thing, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like this guy, I mean, if he wants to, you know, he can just beat the tar out of you and leave mm-hmm. you in the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so uh, that being said, uh, what did you think about about Medusa here and what she had to say? I thought Medusa was lovely. Um, I think Medusa probably was the first vocal women's wrestler. Uh, Wendy Richter came before her. Wendy Richter had her famous problems with Moolah in the WWE. But when, but Mo, uh, Medusa is in a position where she has been a verbal advocate. She talks. She's an attractive woman. She drove monster trucks, for Christ's sake. Um, she's always been around performing business. And I think, I think she could... She could come back right now and be like a like a commissioner from a women's division or something like that on a larger not not for any smaller federation for WWE AEW something like that wherever she goes she brings credibility. I would love to see her back on AEW or something like that. Well, you know, one of the thing great things about AEW they are very in tune with the popularity of Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah, uh, they even you know involved uh, uh, Brian Pillman's aunt in the uh in the kind of the storyline with him and mjf which i thought was fantastic because Mm -hmm. everyone knew about it everyone had Mm -hmm. watched those episodes and that really caused them to push pillman jr as a single star yes um so i like that they have their finger on the pulse for that Mm -hmm. um so you know we get to this point with luna where she ends up you know actually spending some time in rehab because when she was in wwf she made her debut at wrestlemania which had to have been an incredible high but oh God! Somebody, imagine that. Right, but for somebody with these issues, you're now then constantly trying to get that same dopamine hit. Yeah, that chasing that dragon. That, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably, literally, in this case. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we get to that point where things escalate to her. She can't get to that high again, at least not without med- medication. And uh, things get really bad. She does spend some time in rehab. And then she ends up going to ECW, which yeah. I agree with 
the you know the, the commentary in the episode she was perfect for yeah i wish i would have got to see this run this is something i was not really aware of uh the match with stevie richards i would have loved to seen i'm not an intergender wrestling fan but luna could was one of those rare characters that could make me an intergender wrestling fan because she was such a legit badass right it is believable i mean the yeah. same way it was believable with china i mean yes you know uh with her, when her and eddie had their yeah you know th their run it was mm -hmm. like yeah i mean you can completely believe this i didn't know luna had a match with uh jeff jarrett in wwe also i didn't know that either yeah which is uh i think it was probably great i haven't watched the match no but just but, say i mean she was legitimate in there in that match she got color i saw the footage that on dark side of the ring that was when e that was when ECW was so raw and so original and everybody wanted to be a part of it. She was in a feud. She did the whole feud. She became Tommy Dreamer's valet for a little while. Uh, God, that was a hot time in wrestling. Those the episodes were phenomenal. I still remember occasionally finding them on late night television uh, when I was in college. Yeah. I loved them. I, I really didn't get into the ECW bandwagon probably until – wwe resurrected it and then i uh -huh. wanted to see what all the you know uh, hype was about and so yeah. i went and checked a lot of it out um so we go forward here they bring her back into wwe because the, the attitude era is kicked off and they want yeah. people you know in leather and chains and legit badasses and and whatnot and uh then you know for the women though that kind of changes um they WWE just kind of yeah. decides that they don't really care if you can wrestle or not, or even the quality of their women's wrestling they have on the show. They just need you to be attractive. Yeah. I remember that period. I remember that time period. I was, uh, watching intently, not just for the, so I watched the real, I love the wrestling part, but the women were very, very showy at all times. Terry Reynolds would lean out over the ring ropes and expose those, massive silicone globes of hers uh well i mean how do you describe them I they're, mean, yeah. they're not they're not breasts for science yeah, yeah exactly uh uh you got uh sable who never was believable right. at all right. as a wrestler you could i mean not even by in in no capacity was sable believable as a wrestler but she was handpicked because of vince and uh was it it was um what was his name God, I can't even remember his name. Just Cornette insulting him so much. Uh, was that uh, Johnny Ace? No. Bruce um, Richard. No, no. His Cornette's arch rival. Oh, God, Russo. 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 Was there. Yeah, they got hard-ons for, for Sable, and they put her into this position. And it was huge for ratings. I mean, people watched wrestling back then. Right. But it wasn't. that was just not believable. It was horrible. Uh, Luna was one of the the, the first set. She was actually the second woman in PWI top right. 500 uh, behind uh, Miss Texas, who went on to be. Um, oh, what was her name? Jacqueline. Yeah, Jacqueline right. was in there, too, because she was also a legit badass. Um, Still is. Yes. <laughs> I, I, um, it was a different time in wrestling. Uh it did so much damage to women's wrestling that it's taken everything to happen now to get it back out. Um, I think now we're getting to the point where women's wrestling is finally getting, I mean, I know they said they've been out of the divas era for a while, but I don't think they've been out a hundred percent. 
uh, just because of the Sable stuff. The Sable stuff will will be looked upon as some of the, the worst shit ever to happen to women's wrestling, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it, in in relation to, to Luna, I mean, yeah. this sort of was the start of her ultimate downfall. Yeah. When she has this Mania match, she's carrying Sable, who you know couldn't wrestle her way out of a paper bag. Yes. And Vince McMahon tells her that she's fired if she leaves a mark on her. Yeah. I mean, just ridiculousness. And then she goes out there, does it, puts her over, and then nobody even gives her a pat on the back for it. Yeah. Except for Sonny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. Uh, that, yeah, that whole thing. That was a very sad part to me uh, when that happened. That everyone knew she was the one that did. Everyone had ever been to a wrestling match knew that she was the one that carried Sable. Everyone in the back room in the back knew she carried Sable through all that. And they weren't, they were just so fixated on Sable. And which I don't get. I was never like intrigued by her at all. No, she was too fake to be intrigued with. Right. She was like a parade float. <laughs> I mean, seriously, she would grab your attention, but she was artificial top to bottom. She couldn't do anything. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of the Vince McMahon MO. I mean, that's yeah. what he, he was looking for at that time. And yeah. still to an extent, I, I think is today, yeah. um, you know, so just, we, we just less. Yeah. Well, we got to get Paul, get 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 Paul back. Yeah. Triple pray for triple H. He's our only hope. I agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Even NXT is ruined now. Um, it's so different now. It it's, is. Um, God. Well, I, I, wrestling. I tuned back in because they brought Joe back and he won the title and everything. And I'm a huge Samoa Joe Mark. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and then, you know, he was gone again and then here we are. So it's unfortunate. Uh, yeah. So that being said, we, we move on to, you know, kind of the last straw for Luna is she's in one of these, what's now a, a very cringe worthy uh, segment on raw where she's expected to take her top off. Yeah. And she refuses to do so. Mm -hmm. And that led to her firing by WWE. Um, you know, although I'm sure that that's not what they no, they didn't fire at the, the same time. They waited a couple of weeks or a couple of days. Now, I did. I missed where she got the implants along this course. Yeah, I I don't know if they really talked about that in the episode. But and I'm not. I mean, happened. not not for just bizarre. The thing is, it, that's a that's an evolution in women's wrestling with the WWE even today when they right. bring them up. If they get the implants or not. Yeah, and, they had to have them back then though. Yeah. And I didn't know if I didn't know if that was something that the WWE sponsored for her or she got while she was out on the independence. Cause that was a that's usually a commitment, you know. Yeah. Stacy Keeler was one of like the few people they let get away with not yeah. not getting them. Yeah. Um so let's see, what else have we got here? Uh, there's not really a lot left. Uh, they talk with her son a bit, and then they talk about her unfortunate death. Um, you know, and uh, Mick Foley gets super emotional talking about this, yeah. which is understandable because he they had they had apparently uh, grown pretty close. Uh, you know, and 
the official cause of death is not really known whether it was an intentional overdose, an accidental overdose, uh, you know, purely just her uh, choking or, or something like that. Well, how do you know? You know, how do you right. really know if they meant to and why? I mean, just it's immaterial whether she meant to or not. She, she passed away. She passed away and left two young child children or young men and a grandchild she never got to meet. Um, that's sad. Yeah. The sad. The legacy, the legacy left behind, legacy she left behind in women's wrestling was something she never would get to see. She never saw that. She made significant changes. And if you look at women's wrestling now in the WWE and everywhere, do you think people, you think people like Jessica Havoc could exist without Luna existing first? No, I, I don't think so. And, and, you know, Medusa even talks about it, too. It's yeah. like she would have really loved today's product. Yeah. Uh, you know, she was, she was, you know, about 20 years too early. Yeah. Um, because she would have been a, a force to be reckoned with today. And she died about the same age as I am now. And when I think about stuff like that, that's uh, kind of scary, you know? Because right. you, you got to deal with what am I going to leave back? Uh and you think about your own legacy and it gets sad to think about someone who was so passionate about something and cared so much about something and wanted to change one thing and put her entire life into it. And she didn't get to see it. Did she fail? No, she didn't fail. She made significant changes in women's wrestling forever, but. Hmm. But Hey man, I'll, you know, the, the women's revolution quote unquote is going to, you know, they're doing everything they can to make sure that's credited to Stephanie McMahon, who, if you think about it, did absolutely nothing. I agree. So I agree. Well, you know, you're not ever going to get credit for, for changing wrestling in the WWE unless your name is McMahon. That's true. That's just the way it is. That's absolutely uh, true. That's why I, I find myself not watch. I mean, I hate to be that guy. I find myself not watching the product like I used to. Yeah, I find I, myself... I, I don't watch it at all. Ever since the uh, the Owen Hart dark side of the ring, uh, that was like the last straw for me as far as even trying to to follow them. But I mean, the product just isn't for me anymore. No. Well, that's the thing. I'm I'm 49. I'm on my last year at the top of the uh, what's oh god the demo demo. I'm I'm falling out of the demo. I'm aging out of the demo. This is my last year where wrestling might look appealing to me. I don't know what I'm going to do. You don't even matter to Tony Khan after. No, no, he's not even interested in me. So I keep finding myself watching impact, but, uh, how much has dark side of the ring changed your wrestling viewing or fanship? Uh, uh, I'd say a bit, um, not, not, not a ton because a lot of this stuff I, I knew about, um, there are people that I have a more negative view on than they're portrayed on dark side of the ring. Uh, yeah. Sabu is an instance of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I keep being shocked every time I see Sabu on dark side of the ring and it's not about him yet. Yeah. That's going to be bad when it hits on him and he's still going to appear on it. That's the bad part. It, it, it depends on if they do it before he dies. Yeah. You know, or not. Um, but you know, I, I, you know, do they do an episode, um, you know, for him alone? 
do they do a Melissa Coates episode? Oh, you know, God. I, I, I don't, I don't know, but that whole thing is incredibly tragic. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've saw, I saw him make an appearance down in South Georgia four or five years ago and I was absolutely just stunned. Yeah. Uh, we actually, when I worked for flatline pro, we, he had emailed us and <laughs> wanted to, to come in and work a show. And we said, well, if you want to come in and, and like do an autograph signing appearance, we'd be okay with that. Uh, because I really didn't trust at that point in time. I really didn't trust him in the ring with any of our talent, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, that just that whole interaction, it was just like this guy seeing the two of them interact when there's not a camera on yeah, was absolutely like, I'll never forget it. So yeah. that episode is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, there, There's a lot of things with dark side of the ring where, We've only been given the WWE yeah. spin for yeah. years and years and years. The Montreal Screwjob is a good example. Yeah. You know, if you watch the WWE version of it from like the early 2000s, it's like, who is this Bret Hart guy? What an asshole. Yeah. You know, but yeah. if you watch the Dark Side of the Ring version, it's like some of this stuff is a lot more believable. And, you know, it, it, it kind of, you know, does not make Sean look like the good guy. It does not no. cast him in a positive no. light at all, no. or the or the company. No, I agree a hundred percent. I've always been a huge Cornette fan. I've had to, I've had to tune out on Cornette recently uh, because negativity. I mean, it just got to the point negativity is too much, especially in this last couple of years. But I knew these things from him, and then hidden, having Bruce Pritchard corroborate a lot of stuff. Uh, but when you get it on Dark Side of the Ring, it's it's in a format that you don't have to go out there and dig as a wrestling fan for, that you don't have to hang out at indie shows, or you don't have to wait on an autograph at a big show to find out this kind of thing, or lark a fan fest. And uh, I think they've done a great job exposing a lot of stuff. They've You can't say they portrayed wrestling in a negative way when all they've done is given an accurate portrayal of wrestling. You know, they this is they didn't ever set out to do a hit piece on wrestling. They just exposed some horrible stuff. So yeah, yeah, correct. I I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I've kind of t- uh, tuned Cornette out myself a little bit lately. Yeah, just just because I think he's in a situation now where there's a large portion of his audience that wants him to shit on AEW. That's all they right? want. Yeah, and it's just like. Well, I, I was completely on board with that when the shows were bad. Yeah. But but now I think generally it, it's I think Dynamite's the best wrestling product on TV. It's improved dramatically. They've done so much as far as character development. They made me like Kenny Omega as a heel, which yeah, I, I never and thought. And I won't would even happen. go that far. Yeah, I've never thought that would happen. But they've done a lot and yeah, fuck Joey Janela. Right. You know, I, I'm not going to watch him wrestle voluntarily, but the rest of the stuff has come along. And if that's all you do is just, if your existence is just shitting on one thing, that's all it was turning. It was just reviews. And I, what the fuck? I'll watch the program instead of getting a review because I can watch the program and tell you what he'd hate. I can I write mean, that, you know, if you listen to Corn at any time, you can tell what he's going to hate. But he is such a, that's the thing. His program had turned away from old wrestling information, just vaults and vaults of old wrestling information to that kind of stuff. And it just wasn't appealing anymore. Right. 
but but there's obviously an audience out there for it and, yeah and, and yeah. now he's catering that audience so yeah. you know and if enough people tune it out then i guess he'll change gears again yeah so well man um you got any other final thoughts on this before we wrap it up i'm glad i watched this and i'm uh yeah, i watched it when i was in the hospital on my uh, ipad uh and it didn't do it justice last night i sat down here and watched it uh at my desk and uh teared up there were parts of it that were difficult and uh, uh wrestling evokes a feeling I wouldn't feel this way about Hollywood stars or rock stars because these people touched my life in some form. And, uh, it was a very powerful episode. I thank you for having me on. Um, I hope we've done something to, to lower the threshold of people seeking mental health advice or mental health treatment. I personally go to therapy on a regular basis. I am on medication for my depression. Uh, it's made a huge difference in my life. I will talk to anybody about that. Don't become, I mean, if you're in a situation, I have, don't become Luna people. Right. It's sad to see somebody you may love and, and cherish go down the wrong path because they don't get the help they need. It's not hard in 2021 to get mental health help. And if you don't know how to do it, ask somebody, I'll talk to you about it. I'm sure you will talk to people about it. If Absolutely. they have any questions, just ask, just ask people. Yeah, absolutely. And I really appreciate uh, appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, everybody out there, definitely te uh, check out the Tapped Out Wrestling Thank Podcast. Thank you. Uh, like I said, I've been a patron for a long time. Thank you. Always uh, appreciate that. I always, you know, I get the episodes early, so I got the sneak peek. Uh, <laughs> I, I get to know what you guys are going to say about me before everybody else finds well, out. Well, you know, you typically review fairly well with most of your stuff lately. I think you've... Uh... I think you've turned some corners. <laughs> That's that is true. That is true. Uh, just wait. Just wait. Uh, oh, always a pleasure to talk about what y'all are doing at Viral Pro. I think wrestling is Georgia is better off with y'all in it. Okay, wow. and that's the best compliment I can give you. Uh, your production value and the fact that y'all are continually putting out a good positive product that helps the indie wrestling scene is good to have. Yeah, man, I always appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, we love the feedback, positive or negative, but yeah. if if it's going to be positive, I, that's even better. <laughs> uh, as long as it's honest and and yes. I, you know, and and uh, you guys Nick's, always... a, Nick's a sellout. I'm the guy that talks the truth, says the truth. <laughs> I, hey, Nick will call it right down the middle, but I'll get that in my inbox. Oh yeah, he'll at least save the the beating for the inbox and not the episode. <laughs> um, well, that being said, that's that's all we got, Thanks, folks. Uh, definitely check us out. Uh, anywhere uh, that you can find your podcast. Uh, we're on all the audio platforms. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. And uh, this has been an Evolved Review. <laughs>